Hey guys, welcome back to the Young Shepherd Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Coburn, and with me is our co-host, Mike O'Daniel. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Jared? So, this week, um, we wanted to talk about um, everything sermon prep related. So, going from how do I figure out what I'm going to study, what I'm going to teach on, down to, you know, what does that look like on paper, what, what does that look like leading up to the sermon. Maybe maybe a different podcast would be like how to like sermon etiquette. And yeah. Things to do, things they don't do. But for this, let's focus on someone coming up saying, hey, I'd like you to teach. So from right there down to you walking up to the music stand or the pulpit or whatever you teach from. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is, uh, I think there's a lot of good things in here for uh, those of us who teach on Sunday mornings. Or maybe at youth group on you know a, a weekday night, or even for those of you out there who may be prepping to teach a first small group or life group or uh, something of that caliber, uh, I think that there's some tips in here that uh, uh, that can help everyone uh, from study prep to what it looks like down on paper to taking some deep breaths before you you begin. So. Um, well, why don't we get into it, Jerry? What what would you say is one of the biggest things is as you start prepping for your for your sermon. Let's say you're you're a week out, and uh, the pastor's asked you to to preach on a Sunday. Where where do you begin your your process? Okay, so we're we're one week away. So I have one week. One yeah, whole let's week. say he is out unexpectedly, and uh, <clears throat> he's asked you to fill in, and you have a week to prep. Okay, so. If I have one week to prep, if it was something where I had maybe a couple hours, I'd probably go back to maybe like a default sermon that I sure. that I have that I'm really comfortable with, that I can kind of is, is versatile. Um, for me, lots of times that kind of sermon, I'm probably gonna like if I'm if I do like a quick sermon, right? Something in the gospel, something out of Acts. For me personally, so yeah, th- sure. I have a whole week. The first thing for me, I'm thinking is okay. What am I now going to teach? It's not my church, so whatever I'm teaching on, I want to run it through the senior pastor. Sure. So if, uh, let's say we're doing a series through, like our church right now, we're doing a series through the book of Hebrews. Yep. I would say, hey, do you want me to continue where you're going through, or do you want me to do something totally different? Because maybe, you know, he wants me to to pick up where he left off. Hey, I was in Hebrews 11 this week. I, you know, want you to do Hebrews 12 next week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not that I think any pastor would give you Hebrews 12, one and two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so yes, there is that, that option of going to the pastor and saying, Hey, um, do you want me to continue or do you want me to do something else? Yeah. That, that's the first thing entirely. Yeah. So let's say he, you go to him and, and he says, Hey, why don't you do your own thing? Do my own thing. Okay. Now I'm a little nervous because now it's now I'm thinking in my mind, okay, like what am I going to teach? Now th- this is where it gets serious. You need to probably at some point in time, right, in the, your first couple days, get alone with God and, and really pray and pray earnestly, maybe, maybe even fast for, for a meal, for a lunch, whatever, um, and figure out what you're, what you're going to teach, right? Let's say hypothetically, right, God gives me um, the Gospel of John chapter one you know what i mean Ooh, yeah. and he's like hey you know why don't you you know and, and i said that because most people are familiar with that passage right mm-hmm. hey you know the holy spirit puts it on my heart to teach john one my, my the next thing i'm going to do 
right, is depending on how long I have, depending on the church you're at, depending on the setting, if you're teaching a small group, you know what I mean, or a devotional, right? If I'm teaching a devotional, I'm going to keep it short, five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. If I'm teaching a small group, 1530 right? 1530 yeah if i'm doing a sunday morning 30 to 45 depending on wh- where you're at you know it, it could go longer, longer than that even, could be yeah. shorter i've heard stories um of friends who get asked to teach in africa and the way the churches are they're set up there they're teaching for two hours you know um and so it, it really all depends right you need to figure out how how, how, much, how long you have right yeah and so let's say I'm teaching on a Sunday morning. I need to keep between 30 and 45 minutes. Uh, what I'm going to do is, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to make John 1. I'm going to read it all day, right? Read it over and over and over again, right? Let's say let's say the, the first day I figure out what I'm teaching, right? That whole second day, I'm just... I'm just In the Word. I'm just, Consistently I'm and constantly. And I'm, and I'm not doing any... I'm not looking at any commentaries either. I'm, I'm just doing john one and specifically because it's john one and it's the first chapter of the book i'm looking a little bit into the history of it right mm-hmm. um, the background of background who's this who's who's john talking to you know who is this going to exactly when was this written you know try and get in that mindset of 100 percent. yeah but like i said first thing, i'm just reading john one over and over and over again um i'm gonna put a I'm, I, if i'm doing dishes i'm listening to john one over and over and over again like i want to get um, ideally, right, I'd have it close to memory because this is this is what what's unfortunate, right? If you get up in front of people and like you you mispronounce the uh, a word or like you you forget where you're at or you're like stumbling over a word and it's like, well, do you, how are you supposed to teach someone if you yourself don't really know it? Um, and so, quick tip: if you never know how to pronounce anything, just listen to the audio Bible. Uh, <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. That or uh, I was told in Bible college, say it really fast. Oh, so that way it sounds yeah, good, yeah. but then you know everybody yeah. else just jumps over yeah, it too. So if you're in like the Old Testament and it's like mm-hmm. all all the different tribes, like the Hishites, the the Amalekites, the Mosquito Bites, the Amorites, you know what I mean? Like you just go really fast. Sounds so good. Sounds good. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, mosquito bites. You know I, I, mean? I forgot about that tribe. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Pesky tribe. Those mosquito bites were. <laughs> You know what I mean? You just fly by really fast, and you could be like, "Hey, like, you know, the names aren't important, so I'm just gonna fly by really, really fast." You know, just, just make like, it real quick, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, 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 oh, boom. Yeah. And so, um, you you never want to be just stumbling, right? And so, you, you want to know what you're teaching. I never. I remember one time I was at a church, and a pastor he was talking about something. I think it was. Um, I think he was doing David and Goliath, and it was where they compare like Goliath's um, spear to that of like. Um, well, is it called like a, like a gopher stick or, or not a gopher stick? Um, but like, like, like a, a weaver. It was some kind of tool they compared it to. Um, and the guy was like, that sounds interesting. Don't know what that is. And he just like kept going. And I thought, huh, like I would kind of expect like if you're a pastor, you know what I mean? Like you've done you your were, research, done you, your homework. You've done your, you know what I mean? Commentary. Like if you're talking on like, if you're speaking about like Noah's Ark, right? And like they're talking about like a cubit, right? And then don't know what that you is. Know, right, a cubit, right? It's from, it's the length from. Like the tip of your longest finger to like the crease in your elbow, yeah. right? And so if you're like, oh, the length of like a cubit, don't know how long that is. You know what I mean? Like you should you should probably know like what you're talking about, right? I think that would only, I would say, put like distrust and it would so you're yeah. sowing seeds of like doubt into like the yes. audience's mind. Yes. Your congregation's mind, right? And so I'm, I'm reading it. I'm knowing everything I can about it. And you're, and you're meditating on it. 
Met, this entire time. Met it, yeah. Of just going through and going, man, I I didn't realize that it yeah. said this, you know, the last time I read through it. Mm. That's interesting. And I, I maybe I want to keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And continuing to read and continuing to meditate while the Lord's speaking to you about it. Um, but also kind of starting to get a picture of maybe what you want to speak on. Yeah. Um, to the congregation. And, and that's where that comes from. That's where, like, you know, once I know, once I, I've kind of soaked in, soaked in all the word. Then I know where I'm going from here, right? My, my next thing, and, and this is kind of where like I may be different, and this is kind of where people's um, people's preferences get in. And for you, if you've never done this before, you may just have to figure it out yourself, right? There's a lot of different options. I know me and Mike are different. What I do, the way I I, um, I format my sermons, is I will do uh, if I'm teaching expositionally. That is right. Yes. I'm doing V one, right? Verse one. This is on a piece of paper as you're now, now you've transitioned from just meditating and reading. So we're third day now of of this week, third day, right? and you're going through verse by verse because you're expositionally teaching through the word yeah, through John chapter one. And you're on your piece of paper. You're, you're putting V one colon semicolon and going through that first verse exactly and so that's if i'm doing if i'm doing expositionally i'm doing v1 v2 and then i'm putting like bullet points underneath each one now if i'm teaching topically and let's say maybe i'm teaching on a principle right like say forgiveness my my the way i format it and the way i study is gonna look a little bit different and i don't normally do topical but when i do let's say i'm teaching on forgiveness I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna do find all I can about forgiveness and what I like to do I like to find three stories about forgiveness to some extent right so I I, I could say when when God forgave um, you know the Israelites right or I could do you know Jesus forgiving me or I could do um, Paul forgiving um, uh, was that was that Apollos not Apollos the, uh, um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Tip of my tongue. I couldn't tell you. And if, uh, we, if we keep just sitting on it for a minute, it's not going to make a good podcast. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, Paul Mark, forgiving Mark. Yes, he, for, there he you forgives go. Mark. Mark had left him. He forgives him. And says at the end of his life, he wants Mark to come with him. Right. And so I'm t- I'm finding three separate areas in the Bible, preferably at least one from the Old Testament, one from a gospel, and one from the um, Acts. The acts and the letters. The letters, yeah. And so I want to find, I want to find one, right? And I, I'll probably just spend fifteen minutes on each one, right? And, and and that's much simpler. Those are more overview. Overview. Those may carry more application in them, right? But going back to if I'm studying John, right, verse one, right, and I'm writing any questions I have about it, right. Yeah. In the beginning was the word. Well, when was the beginning? Exactly right. Any any question. So I, I try to put myself in a spot to say if I was reading this for the first time or if I'm someone who's never heard this, what questions would I then have? Verse one. Right. If there if there's a super interesting thing. Right. If um, if the if the Greek word in this case is specifically important. Right. If, if maybe the Greek word says something that like the English word may leave out. Then maybe you know I, I'm gonna mention it there, right? V1, V2. If I'm putting jokes in, normally myself, I I don't 
I don't put jokes in in the sense that I write out like, oh, joke here. <laughs> I had a youth pastor. I kid you not. His typical like Sunday sermon that he would give us as youth was six pages long, like printed out like 12 font, like 12 pages long. He had one color for Bible verses, one color for things that he said, one color for jokes, one color for stories, one color for quotes. So his like his pa- his notes look like a rainbow. Hmm. And he had different fonts. So like, you know, if it was this kind of story, it's in this font. If it's, you know, this kind of, and he was very, very, very detailed. That's not me. Right. So when I, if I walk up on a Sunday morning, um, the most I'm ever going to have are those bullet points. Yeah. Because, because you, you obviously, uh, uh, you've had practice at speaking publicly. You've done it probably since you were in high school. Yeah. Uh, you you know what you're saying. You know how to, to ad-lib. You know how to uh, just speak candidly from from the pulpit, but also knowing how to stay on topic. Yeah. And, and for me, that's what those bullet points are. I want to sound natural. There's been times um, I have um, a good friend of mine, and I, I would hear him teach, uh, and when he would teach... It almost sounded as if it was someone completely new on the pulpit, like someone who I didn't know. Like his voice changed a little bit, his mannerisms changed a little bit. Um, he kind of dressed up a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with with dressing up if you teach, right? Look your best for God. Of course, I, yeah. I 100% agree with that. It was a little odd because it would be like stuff that like he just wouldn't normally wear ever, and it was like this is kind of like. It All was, of a sudden, it's a tuxedo up on a Sunday morning. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, you know, like this is like someone who, like, this is like a brand new person. Like, I've never met you before. You know, because everything about him had changed. And for me, that came off as disingenuous. And I find that I want to be the most genuine person I can be when I'm teaching the Bible. Hmm. And, yeah, I agree with that. And for me, not not everyone, but for me, that looks like having little notes because I never want to find myself in a situation where I'm just reading and I'm looking down at my paper and I'm not looking at the congregation. So that's, that's me. And, and it differs with everybody. I, so because this is, this is where we differ. Yeah. Because I, I also have plenty of experience speaking in front of people, but my notes, even the ones that I have right in front of me are from a sermon that I did on, on Ephesians, uh, three, 14 through 21. And it is Word for word, from good morning or this morning, all the way to the end of what I want to say. Uh, you know, um, do you write out Bible verses too in there? No, I don't. I put in, uh, I'll put in to read a specific section. Okay. So I read the whole section at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have my good morning remarks and then I'll have my, um, put it into context of what we talked about, you know, the week before yeah. or where if, if it was something that I was just doing, it would be, well, you know, Paul is talking about this mystery and now he's coming to pray for the Ephesian church. Yeah. And as we dive in, let's dive in. We'll read the verses then I'll pray. And it even says that in, in my notes, read three fourteen through 21 pray. Okay. Is that, so I've like I said I've seen people's notes where they write out their prayers. No, I and they, I don't and they write out my write Bible. out their Bible verses and their no. Bible's just there for show. 
No, no, that's no, no. I like when I read. If I have to reread a verse, I like to read it from my Bible. Yeah, I I make sure that my Bible is there. It's not just for show. My prayers are not written out. Uh, <laughs> I that would be that's too much. But it, it I write everything out uh, because as I'm studying and as I'm I you know I've read through my 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 passage um, uh, you know and, and I've gotten a sense of what God wants to talk to me about. Uh, my process then shifts to, well, let me listen to a couple different other guys who have spoken on this people that I trust, uh, you know, a Chuck Smith, a, uh, a, a Nate Holdridge. Um, uh, if, if my pastor has taught on it before, I'll listen to him. Uh, and then I'll start compiling my notes and commentaries and, um, and everything that I think that the Lord wants to say. And I'll just start typing it out like an essay because when I do that, um, it allows my my mind to get from one thought to the next clearly. Yeah. Um, and then that way, when I am up there, it's not that I'm reading it word for word because I know what I put. Uh, it's more of a, if I do get off track, I know where I want to go and it's a script that I don't necessarily need, but that I can add a lib off of if, yeah. if I need to. Mm-hmm. So, and we differ in that way yeah. and that's okay. Different people have different things for, for sermon prep. Yeah. Everyone's different. So I had a, I had a pastor who I sat under for a while. Um, and his thing was he had a wide margin, new King James Bible and all of his notes that he taught with were in his Bible. And they were, they were color coded. Uh, Coda, he had four different color colors, um, black, red, blue, and green. And he got like a fine point pen. And all the notes that was in that he would teach with were, were already in the margins of his Bible. So he would just he would just take his Bible up Sunday morning, and that's what he would that's what he would do. And does, does that mean that when when he went back to that to that passage, if he ever you know like five years down the road mm-hmm. would he just read out of those those yeah. notes yeah so he yeah. he was so specific with it he had a 1984 thomas thomas nelson wide margin new king james bible he bought him in bulk because he found that he had he had gone through one entire bible taught beginning to end you know genesis revelation whole thing was filled with notes he then realized he had to hit another one, right? So he had two to begin with. Same thing, Genesis, Revelation, packed out with notes. He tried switching over to a new Bible. And then after using the same Bible for like 10 years, he found he couldn't. He found that there was times where he would remember, he wouldn't remember the address for the verse, but he would remember the page it was on. And so huh. he he went back and like they ended up discontinuing, but he ordered like five of them. Right, so he has like two more that are like un like never used to get him through basically forty years worth of forty plus years, yeah. Wow. And so when he, when he teaches, right, his thing is I need to be ready in season, out of season. He used to be on a radio program um, called Every Man an Answer, and he would sit there with his Bibles open, and it was a radio program. People will call in. And ask questions and, you know, him and a couple other pastors would just answer it. He would flip there and he would have his notes. So he could, right, you could go up and be like, hey, Gerald, his name was Gerald Hagerman. 
say, hey, Gerald, um, I need you to teach on John 1, right? He wouldn't have to, you know, sit down and like, you know, look at commentaries here. He had a personal commentary that he wrote in his own Bible ready at all times. Hmm. And so there, there's a huge benefit to that. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. And that's a, really, really cool. There's a huge benefit to that. And so for, for me, that's something I would eventually like to get to is to that point. Most of the time when I teach, truthfully, depending on, like I said, if I'm teaching like a youth group or a devotional, something like that where I can be a bit more casual, something where it's a bit more loose, I'd say a little more than half the time, I'm not even bringing up notes. Not in my Bible and not on paper. Hmm. I'm just I'm just going up and, and I'm teaching. Yeah. For, for, and, and, and for me, and that just keeps it loose. And for me, I find that helps me keep the main thing, the main thing. Lots of times, I find that when I've let people teach a youth group or whatever whatever I'm leading at the time, if I let someone else come guest teach, and I'm really big on giving people opportunity, right? I love being someone's first opportunity to teach. And I find lots of times when I was, when I was running, I was a children's director at a church, I would let Bible college students speak, you know, be the first time teaching an organized thing. And they'd be teaching the third, fourth, and fifth graders, right? So like, like seven-year-olds and nine-year-olds, pretty much. And they would, they would get into like deep, like heavy, heavy stuff. Theological. And it would just way over, way over their head. And and I, I saw that and I was like, man, like I, you know, that's another big thing too. Was like when you're studying, you have to know your audience, right? You have I'm, to know your audience. I'm not, you know, it's not a matter of impressing everyone with how much you know. Because here's the thing, if people are asleep, they're not going to be impressed. And so if your thing is, I'm going to show up to this youth group and I'm going to like go into like the Greek and the Hebrew and, you know, blow their minds for some, some kids may find that interesting. And maybe you're blessed to be in a situation where the youth group kids are on that level where they can ingest something like that and they, they can really take that in and they, they enjoy that. Then, then you're blessed and keep running with that and, and don't let them down. Yeah. However, if you're, if for me, right, I teach right now, I teach a Bible study at a student center, student center. I teach mostly to students who don't go to church. Who are unfamiliar with the Bible. Who are unfamiliar with it. Most of them don't have a Bible, right? So if I, like, I can mention things, right? But if I'm going to be bringing in, like, the tenses of words, Right. And like, that's just going to go way over their head. They're not going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is, they're caring more about what does this mean for me exactly. right now in the situation that I'm in right now? So in that case, right, I'm going to focus more on like application. Application. Hey, this is why it's important. And, and here's the thing, right? Unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of kids and maybe their attention span isn't, isn't what it probably should be. Yeah. So. What, what I'm teaching to specifically my, my students at the student center, I'm usually breaking down like a section of scripture. I, I keep it pretty short. So I may teach from like 10, 15 minutes and I may keep it. I may cover mo the most amount of verses I've ever covered is 20. But usually I'm covering like anywhere from four to eight. And, and specifically because you're talking, you're in... I know that I know what you're doing. So you're in John, yeah, with these kids, mm -hmm. and so obviously this isn't like you're going through, um, like right now in, the, in my youth group, I am going through the book of First Samuel. 
yeah. and I can take a whole chapter mm-hmm. because it's a it's a big long story. It's it's a narrative. It's a narrative. Yeah, and so it's it's not it's a different type of uh, things that we're teaching. Whereas I can just yeah. I can summarize what's going on in the story. Yeah, and that can take up which, a lot of my, my which, which is a big thing. Like if if you think like you know let's <laughs> let's play a different scenario, right? Like if you're in a situation. Where your pastor was like, okay, well, why don't you just pick up where I left off, right? Um, yeah, where, where you at? And let's let's say hypothetically, right? Let's say we're we're in Kings, right? Okay, sure. Um, here's the thing: like, it may not be the best thing, right, for you to cover. Um, let, let me rewind. Let's not do King. Let's do Nehemiah, right? Because I know Nehemiah has some really long chapters, some like chapters like sixty plus verses, yes. right? It may not be the best thing you to go through an entire chapter yeah. in nehemiah right if there's 60 70 verses right that may not be the best thing so you kind of have to discern to to do what you what you know, typically do go yeah. verse one questions verse two but maybe take a chunk at a, a chunk. time and that's and you you got to discern that you know what I mean? and you can you can summarize hey between these verses this is what's happening yeah if i'm if i'm pressed for time and that's something i have to do where you know let's say for whatever reason i'm in a situation where i need to go over 100 verses in 30 minutes right i've never found myself in that situation <laughs> neither right? that, that'd be a tough situation <laughs> to do and to do the scripture justice but but if i was right then think now my thing is okay well i can't really go in depth as much as i want to i need to figure out what's the main point right and so now it's my job to kind of to take this condense it right and then kind of like repackage it and give it to them, right? Yeah. Because that's kind of as a as a as a sermon giver, that's kind of what you do is is you take, you, you take the Bible, you take the words, right? You take it all, and, and the big thing is right. And I think it's what a lot of people miss, is people are coming to church to get washed in the Word, right? Mm. So I'm washing them in the Word, right? I'm not I'm not throwing heavy things at them, you know what I mean? In the sense that like I'm not. Um, this isn't like a seminary class. You know what I mean? If I'm in if I'm in a church where the congregation is at is that point where like they can take like a heavy, heavy dose, right? Then then you know, then hey, serve it up. Serve up By a, all means. Serve up a four star meal, right? Yeah. But if you're in a situation where you may be serving at a church and or a youth group or whatever, and let's say the majority of these people have only been Christians for five years, right? Five years or less, right? Then maybe like dishing up a you know a seminary Petty, a theologically deep uh, you know doctrinal yeah message is not it may it may not be for them right? yeah and, and here's the thing I don't want to waste my breath and I don't want to waste their time you know what I mean there are there are groups where that is okay and there are groups where like that's that's something that should be done right however I just always want to be kind right like in the sense that like um the idea that like a chain is as strong as its weakest link right yeah, yeah. i i never want to be this i never want to be in a situation where i'm like sharing with someone and then like someone the entire time is just like i have absolutely no clue what's going on you know what i mean yeah i, I also want to do a service to maybe like the the spiritually strongest in a sense and i, I also want to want to give them some, some meat to chew on right yeah however it the, depending on where you're at what you're doing and and that's kind of where i think the confusion comes in for a lot of people is like, there's not this blanket. This is how it goes. Right. Cause uh, it takes in, there's a thing you have to consider. You have to consider what your, what your preferences are. 
and you have to consider your time and you need to consider the spiritual maturity and the spiritual levels of those who you're teaching with. So let's say I'm teaching a group of people that, that they can, they can handle a lot of knowledge. Yeah. Right. But let's say I'm only given five minutes like, Hey, you know, we want to share, you know, we're, we're doing this fellowship thing, you know, a bunch of professors of, you know, theology, right. And we're having a, a fun luncheon. Do you think you want to share for, for five minutes? You know what I mean? Um, and let's say, you know, I'm, you know, I have my own preference, right? Here's the thing, right? Like, I'm not, that's going to look different to where if I'm teaching a youth group at, at a camp. For an hour plus. For, you know, at, you know for, for an hour plus, right? That's going to look different, right? Yep. So where for me, normally I may not go up with a lot of notes. If I'm teaching for an hour plus, then maybe I, I might need some notes. Yeah. You know? And here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm going up to give a devotional... You know what I mean? Maybe I don't need a whole page of notes. And I would say this. Everyone's different. And so I'd say it's okay to be flexible. And the only way you're really going to figure out what what it, what works best for you is by doing it. I remember the first time I ever shared was at a uh, – my church was doing a, a citywide youth group event. And he asked me to share. And I think I was – talking about like in Matt on the Sermon on the Mount where like Matthew's talking in Matthew where Jesus talking about the salt and the light, the salt and the light. And I think I teach for like in my backyard with all my notes, I probably teach for like 30 minutes and it's probably the best sermon ever, dude. Like oh, it yeah. was killer. Oh, I'm sure. And then I got up there and I taught and that 30 minutes went down to like seven. Real and quick. real quick, and you're real out of notes. <laughs> and I was out. I was out of notes fast. Um, and it was funny because I also didn't really know how to end the sermon too. And so, like, how do you, like, how do you end the sermon, right? So, just, even... and so I remember I'm just sitting there at, at like the the pulpit in front of like sixty to one hundred kids, <laughs> like my high school peers, and I just like awkwardly look at my youth pastor and I'm like. I get like wide eyed and like scared and yeah. he like hops up. He's like, all right, thanks Jerry. Like starts clapping his hands. Um, <laughs> but, but for me, like that, that was my first exposure. Right. And I, and I learned right for me, a lot of notes isn't for me. Cause for me, I just see those and, and it's, I'm just going to start reading it. And, yeah. and, and for me, like that didn't work. So for me, I go up with minimal notes. So I, I don't become in a place where I'm focusing on my notes. And for me, at least I found that it, that it gives me the freedom and the pressure. It relieves the pressure of me, and it kind of lets it, it lets my spirit talk with the Holy Spirit more. I find for me, yeah, not not to, not to get hyper more, spiritual. Some more freedom to to sit and go. Oh, I think actually the Holy Spirit wants to go in this direction instead of maybe what I had on my notes. Yeah. So let's say like if I, I have in my mind like the notes like how everything's going to go right. But let's say, like, as I'm as I'm teaching, I find that this point, like, the Holy Spirit is just, like, really putting on me to, to, to go more, right? I can talk about that more. And maybe that, like, third point I had, maybe I might just, like, scratch a couple ones off. You know what I mean? So especially if I'm guest teaching, I always want to be respectful of the audience. And if a church says, like, hey, like, you need to, you know, 25 minutes tops, right? I want to be done at like 24 minutes. 
You know what I mean? Like I always want to err on the side of grace. And I always, I never, a, a quote I one time heard by a guy named David Guzik, I had asked him, um, hey, like, well, you know, how do you go with like, you know, formatting sermons and whatnot? And this and, you know, going on too long, going on too little. And he said, well, I always like this. I always want to leave people wanting a little more than leave them feeling like they got too much. Right. Mm. And, and here's the thing, right? If, if you leave someone feeling where they want a little more, they can find you afterwards and you should probably make yourself available for them to come up and talk to you. But they can also go in it themselves too. They, they always can. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? If, I mean, we've all been in like a situation where you're hearing us like, oh, this is a great sermon. And then it's like 30 minute mark. It's like, oh, this is a killer sermon. Right. It's like 40 minute mark. And you're like, oh, this is a good sermon. Like 15 is like, oh, this is, this is a long sermon. And then you give me like an hour, 10 minutes. You're like, oh, this is, this is time to go. And then it's like, and like an hour it's, ten, it's like well, my stomach is grumbling. My, my reservations grumbling. Are, are, are bad now. You know what I mean? And yep. So mm-hmm. I find that whenever whenever I'm teaching, right? I just, just to summarize it at all for me, right? I get alone with God. I figure out what I'm going to teach. If I'm teaching topically, I want I want to find three different places in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the Acts and the Apostles or Acts and the Epistles, where, where this principle is being shown. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm talking on those three things. If I'm teaching expositionally, verse by verse, then I'm taking those, I'm reading it, I, I want to know everything I can about it. I want to become an expert on it. And then I'm writing down the questions I have and the application to my life and to those around me. Then I'm going, and I'm, at that point, after I have all my questions, right, and I've answered them to the best of my ability, at the very end is actually when I go back to commentaries. And I wanna, I wanna go. I wanna make sure that what I'm saying, is, is in line with commentaries. I had, a, I had a pastor one time in Bible college, who said, "Hey, people have been studying the Bible for two thousand years. If you're finding something brand new for the first time that no one's ever found, you're probably wrong." And and he was like, it, "It's okay, you know what I mean to to go like." He was like, "Everything I know, I learned from someone else." Absolutely. And, and it's the, and it's the same thing, right? Like, there's not this idea like. Oh, like you're stealing knowledge. You know what I mean? Like all your now, if you're like word for word, just reading, opening someone else's commentary and reading it, like that—that's wrong, right? That's wrong. But it's not wrong to read a bunch of commentaries to digest it, pray to see what what God wants to share to this congregation, and to give that to them. That—that's not wrong. That's yeah. that's what you should be doing. Yeah, there are definitely times where I, uh, I I love David Guzik's commentaries, mm-hmm. and so I. I read his all the time when I'm studying. Uh, there are lots of times when I take bits here and bits there to uh, emphasize a point that I wanted to make. Yeah. It, that, that, there's nothing wrong with that because, again, n- we're not finding new things. Yeah. Uh, people, like you said, have been studying the Bible for. 2000 years and I've been studying the, the life of Jesus and the apostles and even longer than old Testament. So, you know, they, there's nothing wrong with, with getting into different commentaries. No, the, you want to hear a funny story with David Guzik? So, I'd so love his, to. his commentary, I think, is it enduring the word? Enduring word? Enduring word. Yeah. I think it is. And so, um, he had taught at the Bible college I was at in, um, pretty small Bible college, 30 kids. And so it was just a single classroom, and he's he's teaching there. Um, 
And in between, like, our breaks, we would, like, ask some questions, and everyone gets in and I raise questions. He's like, yeah, do you have a question? I was like, yeah. Um, I was like, hypothetically, if someone just doesn't study for a sermon and just opens up your commentary and reads it, who, who gets the blessings? You or them? And, and, he, and he laughed. He had laughed, and he said, well, he was like, you know, I love my commentary. And he had shared something with me that I didn't know, that his commentary is just his sermon notes put on paper the ones that are on blue letter bible yeah the ones that you go in and it's like study guide for yeah you know mark 20 yeah so if you go to his website enduring word or if you go to blue letter bible go to commentaries and go to david guzik yeah that's just his sermon notes huh. that's how he formats his sermons and so he he just started like compiling his sermon notes one day right and so and the cool thing with David Goose is like he's not someone out of a seminary he doesn't have like a doctorate in something right like he's he was just a pastor right just uh, a dude just a dude from SoCal um <laughs> and so he he laughed and he was like those are really just my sermon notes and he was like so if someone takes those and this is what he said he said he said that in his mind his his notes are for people um, who are teaching small groups, people who are starting off, people who are new, right? If, if you're new and you're looking for a great commentary just to kind of get started, Enduring Word is pretty much as good yeah, as it gets. I, I recommend those to people who want something to read alongside with the text. Yeah. So, hey, you're reading, you know, a chapter or two a day and you want something to kind of spell out what's happening. Read the chapter and then go find David Guzik's chapter on his, his study guide. And it, it just points things out that you... It's it's pretty much as good as it gets yeah. when it comes to commentaries. It's it's so good. And and he had said... He said, for, for the person that teaches a small group and is starting off and is nervous, if they just, like, read my stuff, he was like, they get the blessing. Like, they're nervous. Like, God is God's gracious. And, and that way he was like, but if someone's a seasoned pastor and they just don't want to study and... and they're just okay with just reading what I've written down. He's like, I think we all know who really gets the blessing. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can say that I've almost done. I've almost gotten to that point. Uh, uh, this is early on. I was like, man, why don't I just read? Why don't I just read this? Uh, and then the Lord convicted me. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a groovy thing. There's, there's another pastor who has a pretty um, famous commentary. Um, pastor name is John Corson. Yeah, and I one time I don't know if it's true or not, but I one time heard a heard a story of how he he was traveling one day like going through a town or whatever, and stopped at a church. Oh no! For a Wednesday or something like that, and like the youth pastor was sharing or something, and he pretty much just like taught pretty much note for note, word for word, like what was in the commentary, and he like walked up to him afterwards, and the guy didn't recognize him, and he was like how long did it take you to study for that? And he was like, oh, that is, you know, a couple of days. He's like, really? Because it took me a lifetime. You know what I mean? And like, that was, right? So, hey, that's, that's embarrassing, right? Oh, but yeah. th- that's such a uh, such a wise word. Like, it takes a lifetime to write a sermon in that sense that like, the stories I share in my sermons are stories that I've been through. Yeah. Right? And and I think it's important to make sure that when, when you're sharing I think it's really a key thing, at least in my sermons that I do. uh, One of the biggest things that I want to convey is something personal from my life that the Lord's taught me that I'm trying to also teach. Because I think personal 
uh, application is very important. No, I agree, and and that's the only thing when, when you're when you're prepping for your sermon and when you when you're getting ready for that, if if the Lord brings to remembrance like a story of, let's say for me, right? Let's say I'm teaching on a passage of scripture and it's talking about um, you know, being humble, right? And the Lord like um, you know, puts down like the proud, exalts like you know the humble stuff like that, right? And and that's that's your big point, you know. Sh- share a story, you know what I mean? Um, one of the things I was told early on was that if you have to make fun of someone and you have to make someone the butt of a joke, make it yourself. Make it, always make it make yourself. yourself. You never want, you never want to like crack a joke on someone else. Um, especially if you're in youth ministry, cracking a joke on a kid. Not okay. Not, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. You make yourself the, the butt of the joke. And, yeah. and, and I think that when you do that, especially in youth ministry, the kids, they understand the, 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 the meaning behind you making yourself the butt of the joke i agree so when i was teaching kids ministry i had um i was sharing in peter where it's talking about like husbands love your wives talk with your husbands right and i'm teaching like in the third fourth and fifth grade i'm like well how am i gonna like share like marriage stuff to a bunch of kids that still think like the opposite gender is gross like got cooties and where's the application right and so i remember i heard this um i heard this stat one time it was saying that for like I think it was for 80% of people in the world. This is a global stat. 80% of people, 80, 80, 85% of people meet their future spouse by the time they're 16. Okay. I'm not one of those 80%. I, I'm not either. My wife met me when she was 19. So that's, that's close. But think about like on a global sense, like how many people live in small towns, mm-hmm. how many people live like in like third world countries and villages, you know what I mean? Um, and so, and it's, and that's not saying that like you're dating this person when you're 16, as much as like, you know, you them. met them and you know them, you, you know them, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we went to school together or, you know, grew up in this town, grew together. Up this town together, you know, like we, we went to church right? together. And yeah, you can think yeah. of a lot of people that have stories like that. I, I can think of a lot of people. Yeah, that's, that's true. And so I was sharing it to these kids, and I was like, uh, you guys aren't 16, but who knows? I was like, you know, maybe so-and-so. Maybe you're going to marry this girl, or maybe you, girl, you may marry this guy. And, like, they're all like, ew, I would never marry him. You're like, ew, I would never marry her. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, and it was laughing. We all had, like, fun for, like, 30 seconds, right? Uh, I didn't think anything of it. What happened was, is I guess... A week later, one of my children's ministry leaders who was in the classroom at that time had brought that joke up again. And all the kids that were around him felt like it was okay to now bring that joke up again. And they were all like, you're going to marry so-and-so. You're going to marry. And you know what I mean? And he was devastated, right? And like, his dad, like... His dad came up to me and, like, tried to make me feel bad. I felt a little bad, but, like, I didn't feel terribly bad. But he was, like, because I, I felt like in this case specifically, he took it to the extreme. And he was, like, you know, I would, you know, my son's, like, strong in the word. And, like, I watch him in the word. And so I know he's firm. But are you making jokes about, like, other kids, you know, too? And and I know in my heart, like, it was never that intention to make a joke on, like, another kid. And like I said, it, I think if the joke would have stayed inside sure. our Sunday morning classroom i think it would have been fine because like a a whole week went by and like nothing happened like everyone forgot about it it wasn't until one of my youth leaders brought it back up that it 
that it came and that's the thing where you have to be like so careful because lots of times kids can be sensitive when it comes to their peers it's true kids can be so sensitive yep. and so where to me i didn't really like i saw it was a joke but i in my mind i was like i'm not like joking on someone i'm not making fun of everyone it's just like yo how funny would it be if this guy married that girl you know what i mean and like they were already friends they hung out all the time yeah right and so i didn't like for me it wasn't like a grow it was you know it wasn't a yeah. thing where i was trying to embarrass anyone but the kids they ran with it and you know to my surprise like he was embarrassed and like he like went home and like cried one night and it was like oh like, you know what i mean and so like and like, i didn't feel like bad because what the dad was saying but i felt bad to know that that he was he he was he felt like distraught and i was like oh man like i'm so sorry and, that, and like something as small as that saying that you're gonna marry like you could one day maybe marry this girl who you're already friends with who you already hang out with all the time right like who would have thought that like a week later you know what I mean? He it was, was gonna. He was gonna go home and cry because yeah. some kids brought it up again. You know what I mean? And so we had all that to say is that we had to be careful when, when we when, careful. when we're when we're sharing life events and life stories and and jokes. Um, I know that our pastor when he he starts off his sermons by telling a joke, mm-hmm. um, and some of them are great, some of them fall flat, uh, but jokes are never at anybody in the congregation's expense yeah um you know he may he may make a story about his kids um but most of the time he's taught he talks about himself yeah and and does that so that people can see you know he's not holier than thou or anything like that yeah he does it to teach a point and and i would take it a step further and say that's really just a, a a life pro tip you know don't, <laughs> yeah don't not just a sermon pro yeah, yeah don't yeah. don't let your kids or don't let other people around you be like the butt of the joke for the sake of your conversation starters you know what i mean like yeah. that i find that for myself if i'm around people that constantly joke or talk bad about other people my thought is now well man i hope they don't talk about me that way yeah you know what i mean and so my thing is if if you're if you're preparing a sermon, right, and you think, oh, like, maybe I should include this joke about this kid. If you have to do that, right, Get it's always good to get the person's consent first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, is it okay if I share the story about, you know, two years ago at summer camp when you chugged a ball of Tapatio for $20? Like, can I? is it, is it okay if and I share it? And it came out your nose? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it okay if I share that? And the kid's like, oh, yeah, that's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, if you can get, like, previous consent, then, then much that, better. that's much better, right? Yeah. But to just like tell a joke on like someone else's expect, you know, um, I don't think that's from the Lord, you know, mid sermon and that, you know, that comes to your mind. That's, I don't, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit, you know, prepping you to tell something at somebody else's expense. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not, it's not cool. It's hurtful. Um, and and it just, it makes you look bad. Right. And so you never want that to be the case. Right. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of, of of things, tips that when you're planning your sermon that you make sure you do? No, I think that because I know we're running short on time. I just thought maybe if if we just go back through just just real quick, I, I'll just to hit a couple main things. Um, num- number one, make sure that you're spending time with the Lord. Yeah. When you are trying to prep for a sermon. You need, and it is a need and a must, to be with the Lord, in the Word, getting 
uh, something fresh from the Lord. Not, I don't mean something new, like a new revelation that's yeah. never been found. No, just a fresh, uh, current word from the Lord yeah. as you're prepping. I think that that number one is key and has to be done in sermon prep. What comes after, whether it's, you know, typing notes and printing them out or, uh, you know, word for word notes or just bullet points, that kind of stuff pales in comparison to the importance of being in the word and making sure that you are hearing from the Lord about what you need to teach on. Even if you're going through a series on, you know, Hebrews or John, and you're teaching every single week, make sure that you're starting off your study time because you have a week in the word, reading it, digesting it, hearing what the Lord's saying. Be sure that you're doing that because that is so, so important. Um, and, and from there, I, I really don't think that there are, are too many big things, but I, I would say that to use the resources that we have, we have so many resources available to us, people preaching sermons on the same subject, commentaries like David Guzik, uh, different, you know, commentaries to, to pull from, uh, there are so many, uh, amazing stories out there based upon different sermons, being able to use the resources, not as a, uh, copyright infringement by just taking a, a, a somebody else's sermon and just saying that, but using those to help your sermon build. Um, and then I think the, the other thing that I would say is, is, uh, allow the Holy spirit to, to speak through you. Yeah. You don't, it's not your word. The The Bible that you're teaching is not yours. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Uh, you don't know it all, but he does. And so allow him to speak through you and get through uh, the points that he wants to make. Uh, so I, I would just say uh, to, to do that, to do those things. What it looks like is, is going to come by trial and error. Like Jared was saying. You know, the more that you do it, there's going to be more of a routine that you get into. You know, it starts with praying and in the word, and then it gets to, you know, listening to sermons and then getting into commentaries or, you know, reading books. Or there's so many different types of ways that it can go from there, but it, it's only going to happen through trial and error. And your first, your first 10 sermons, don't expect them to be like Nobel Peace Prize speeches. <laughs> like, they're not going to be. No. Like, they're not going to be great. They're going to be ugly. You're going to, like, step over your words. You're going to twist your tongue. And that's okay. And that's and it happens. Jared's was seven minutes. Yeah. Even though it was a half-hour practice. Half, yeah. Mine was the same. I was asked to speak at youth group, and it turned into maybe seven, eight minutes because I just would just kept going. Just it was in high school, the, and I just... Just read the notes. Read the notes. Didn't think of anything else. And just went... Yeah. And it, it was over. So it, it's not perfect. And not to say that Jared and I's, uh, um, the way we sermon prep is perfect. Neither of us, ours are perfect. It's just two different ways of doing it. Yeah. And that's okay. And yours is going to be different than, than mine. And that's fine. Yeah. Whatever the Lord does in you to make sure that you're taking the word and making it palatable for the audience that he 
has given you. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing. And there's there's one scenario we didn't cover, and and we'll cover it right now. If you're in a situation where you're given five minute prep time, two minute prep time, any amount of prep time, you know, that's less than an hour, really. And your focus now is do I either get my heart right with God or do I start cramming for this sermon? Get your heart right with God. That's going to be, that. that's my number one pro tip. If you're given you know, 10 minutes, and, and, and this is my prayer, right? And this is the prayer that I, that I say in my, my heart and, and my soul. Every time I, I get up, right, I think of Psalm 23, verse 3 specifically. He says, uh, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So my prayer when I get up to teach, and, and maybe I'm not as prepared or even just really any time, I say, God, you know, let, let this message, you know, let, let, let someone hear this, you know, let this be true. Let this, you know, you know, whatever, you know, and, and my thing is like always like for your namesake, God, not for my glory, not for anything. Amen. God, yeah. I'm, you know, it, you know, I, you know, and I always have regrets when I go up, I should have studied more. I should have done this more or whatever. Right. And I thank God, like for your namesake, right? Like let this, let this go smoothly. Lord, just, just for your namesake. So someone else can get fed today for your namesake, for you, not for me. Let, let that's this go. Huge. And that, that's, that's for me huge. getting your heart right. Here's the thing. There are a lot of people that know the word well. There are a lot of people that can that, that can quote scripture like no one's business. There are a lot of people that do that. There are a lot of pastors that do that. Yep. There are not a lot of people, there are not a lot of pastors that can do that and know the heart of God, right? And that's what makes a great pastor. Is someone that is someone that stands in between, right? And has it has the pulse on their congregation's heart and it has the pulse on God's heart. Hmm. And, and if you can stand in between like Jesus on the cross with one hand to, to the people, right? And one hand towards God, just like Jesus was, you know, arms stretched out on the cross. If you can do that and, and say, this is what God is giving me. And now I'm giving this to, to my congregation, to this group and giving it in a way that is that they can understand it not in a way that makes me look good not in a way that makes yeah. me look smart uh, not in a way that makes me look funny but in a way that they can receive it that's what it's all about that's yep. that's what's important and, and again guys it's not not for my name's sake god for you ha, just let this not flop for you yeah. <laughs> my prayer every time lord this does not don't want to flop for you let me get for your glory because the, the reality of it is is this isn't for us yeah me getting up there isn't for me. Mm-hmm. My getting up there is to hopefully allow the Lord to speak through me for whoever needs the yeah. Lord in that moment. Just just a conduit. You know yeah, I mean? that's all you are, an instrument, a conduit. I love that. And, a and, condiment? No, I said a conduit. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. I, I don't need to be somebody's ketchup. Yeah. No, that's not, no, no, no. No, 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 no. someone's ketchup. No, no, conduit. Conduit, conduit. yeah, yeah. Now, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> gotta end on a joke. Oh, we gotta end on, on a joke. We gotta end on the joke. Those mosquitos, bro. They the mosquito bites. <laughs> they're a nasty tribe. <laughs> nasty blood sucking tribe, right there. Blood that is what that tribe. is. They're not. little pests. Those tribes are. <laughs> Just get in your ear. <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. Well, I think that's that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we really hope that this uh, that this blesses you and, and helps you to keep moving forward in the mystery that God has called you to. Yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week.